Welcome to another episode of National Pastime, everyone. I'm John here with my co-host Toaster once again. Uh, the NFL, the 2021 NFL Draft is officially in the books. Um, we're going to dive straight into that with our favorite picks, our least favorite picks. Talk about the overall classes that we liked and didn't like. And uh, just get into some general thoughts about how teams went about their business in this year's draft and what that changes for 2021 and beyond. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, Toaster, we're going to get right into it. Who was your favorite pick of the draft? I'm going to have to take a quote from Shad Khan here and say, we got it right this time. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Uh, New England just lost their West Coast scout. So if you need me to evaluate talent, um, I'm right there with Shad Khan. Okay. Yeah, you're really going out on a limb there. I, I mean, I won't criticize you too much. I thought we weren't kind of here. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. No, actually. Yeah. Very cold take. take my, Very cold take. Yeah. If I was going to take my best play in the first round, uh, it's probably Jalen Waddell to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, trade back three spots, extra draft pick out of it. And then uh, you still get the, if not the elite wide receiver of the class, one of the very competitive elite wide receivers in the class. Um, I think that did probably the most to pump up any team in the first round. Uh, based on not only their draft return, uh, but also the player that was selected. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe this is kind of a, a boring one, uh, but honestly, one of the things that stood out to me was the fact that the Vikings, who needed offensive tackle help, needed offensive line help, uh, were at 14, could have sat there and taken Christian Derrissaw uh, who is pretty much the consensus number three tackle. And instead they moved down into the twenties and we're still able to get them and pick up some extra picks. So uh, it's, it's boring again, maybe uh, we're a little too cold takey here. Um, but I mean, that is how you play the game. That is how you win the draft. You don't yeah, reach no. for players. The same thing with Micah Parsons, the Cowboys, right? Again, get an extra pick out of it. You still get the elite talent at the position. Um, I was very high on the Vikings draft until they took two straight quarterbacks. I mean, I get the Kellen Mond pick, but the Chaz Sherratt right after it. I'm like, damn, how how unclutched do you think Kirk Cousins truly is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it, do you is that a rhetorical question, actually? Because I, I think you know the answer to that. I think he's won one primetime game now. Yeah, Every you're right. He's here. He's out of the doghouse. Did they play the, the playoffs during prime time? Oh, you know what? Unfortunately for him, I believe those games qualify as prime time. Yeah. Ah, uh, shoot. He's he's additional round at best. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not tough look for our boy Kirkers. But no, um, I do think our... that the Vikings played that absolutely tremendously um, to be able to drop back into the back end of the first round and still get what I would have considered a, a better prospect than what the Jets traded up for. Yes. So uh, that's another huge element of this, right? Um, w I think we can all acknowledge that we don't know shit about shit, right? These guys, they, the guys we think might pan out that are surefire dudes, you know, it, situations matter. And there's all kinds of things that come into play when you're projecting what a 22 year old kid who's just given millions of dollars, you know, how they're going to 
to progress. And it, so it's really hard to do that. Yeah, but that the Titans. <laughs> right. <laughs> no kidding. Um, but I think we can all agree that the, when you're looking at the draft and, and giving out grades as silly as that is and all this stuff, what you're really looking at is process. And um, while I liked the Elijah Vera Tucker pick overall, uh, he, I think he's a good player. You, in my mind, should not be trading up. So giving up additional draft assets to select an interior offensive lineman. Um, that's just bad process, right? So that's what we're we're really looking at here with our favorites, least favorites. You know, uh, the Darisaw move, great process. And cherry on top, you picked uh, one of the top guys in the draft at a premium position. So, um, it, yeah, agreed. The Elijah Vera Tucker pick uh, probably falls into one of my least favorites, but um, it's it's all about process. Especially when you're talking about a team that has multiple positions of need, right? If you're talking about the Bucks trading up to get to, you know, 23 or something, and they're already in a position where they're set up to, you know, any pick is is depth at this point, then yeah, go ahead, trade up, get your guy. Uh, but when you're talking about a team that won two games last year and lost out on the Lawrence sweepstakes, then, hey, maybe those extra extra couple picks are what's going to start putting you over the top because you're not doing it through free agency right now. And, you know, you're 364 days away from the next draft. Yep. And we talk about it all the time, but, you know, draft picks are lottery tickets, right? And the more of them you have, uh, the better opportunity you give yourself to to hit on a guy and you know it might be a guy that nobody really sees coming and boom there you go you have a cheap player for the next four or five years so uh yeah all about acquiring picks all about process that being said who was your least favorite pick of the draft so they kept tom brady informed that this was going to be their pick um, which I think goes a long way considering the Russell Wilson situation, the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, but I absolutely despise the Kyle Trask pick. Uh, uh, my favorite, again, quote was that he fits the system. And what fucking system are we talking about? Bruce Arians is going to be drinking Crown Royale on the beach when Tom Brady retires. So there is no system. Maybe they're setting it up so that, you know, Byron Leftwich is able to take over. But if they win a Super Bowl this year, no way in hell is Bruce Arians retiring and that third round draft pick that they're going to get for Byron Leftwich is going to look a hell of a lot better than basically replacing Bruce Arians with Byron Leftwich. So I don't know what system they're talking about. And if you just go back looking at if you're drafting a second round QB, there's two things you're going for. You're going for somebody with elite talent or you're going with somebody that's from a questionable system. Looking back, I'm just going to name off some names here. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Garden Mischew. Prescott, Carr, Jimmy G, all of those either from small schools or had elite skills that they were going after. It's not back until the 2012 draft when you're looking at Wilson Foles Cousins and even them, none of them are from big town schools. You can say that you can say that Wilson was Wisconsin, but he was really North Carolina, right? So, I mean, the last pick that I see that comes from a big school, Tom Brady, do that. Like we, so you're taking the outlier of the outlier. If you're, I suppose in, Michigan was still a big school at that point, but it was kind of the, yeah, kind of the little brother <laughs> of, yeah, 
for sure. But I mean, so what you're saying is what these people at these schools that are, you know, continuously competing for, uh, you know, SEC championship, you know, USC, all these people that are coming from big name systems, you're getting every benefit of the doubt. You've got top tier receivers, you've got Darius Tony, you've got Kyle Pitts. And if you're not able to prove yourself as a first round draft pick with that kind of talent around you, then you're not going to be a top tier talent. So I'd either take somebody with tremendous athleticism or somebody that's coming from a questionable system where they have to fight for their life to try to compete because you've got Kyle Trask back there that he can just throw it up and be successful. But you've got, you know, a Davis Mills who you can call Stanford a big school if you want. Um, Kyle Mond, who has some, some athleticism. Like, these are better picks to me in number two if you are ultimately going quarterback. But again, I, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't know why you're going long-term. Everything else on your roster right now is set up to win the next two years. Well, and the you mentioned him fitting the system. Arian's system is very much down the field all day, every day. And Trask, Trask looks the part, you know, he's big, he's, you know, not wire thin size. prototypical size, but that size does not translate to his arm. And I, over the course of the last year and a half have watched a lot of his games because he, you know, me being a bears fan and, and that being a position of need for them, I saw Trask as maybe a guy that they would target. So I wanted to sort of form my own opinion. Uh, he's got about as weak a arm for somebody that size as I've ever seen. I, I, it is remarkable how long his ball takes to get to where it needs to go. And deep ball throwing isn't all about velocity, but Arians, I don't think is going to get the guy that he, I don't think he fits his system the way that he maybe thinks he does. Um, Arians is maybe he was a little drunk and they got enamored by the size and thought, okay, this guy can probably throw it a country mile, but I don't know. I'm I with will you. Say that, I will say that if something does, gosh forbid, happen to Brady, that with elite receiving talent around him, like he will have, he can probably fill in and, uh, you know, he's not going to take them to the Super Bowl, but he can, he can make them competitive still, but any quarterback that they took at that position would have kept them competitive uh because you know evans godwin bronkowski you're gonna get howard back you've got antonio brown and then you've got uh, you know jones isn't you know anything special out of the backfield but you've got giovanni bernard like you've got so many options that they have to take care of that anybody that you took at quarterback could also be successful uh as far as getting them as far as trask could would you uh... I, and I'm not super familiar with their their roster. I'm assuming Gabbard's still there, right? He's going to be the primary backup. Gabbard is still there, yes. Okay, so he Trask is truly going in to be the developmental third guy on this staff. I can't yep. imagine. But Dan Mullen got the same type of. He actually got even better production out of Tim Tebow, right? Like you want to talk about a system quarterback, you get them surrounded with people that as long as they stay out of prison can be successful and congrats to urban Meyer getting another job, because apparently that's what, you know, a lot of teams need their players to stay out of, out of jail right now. Um, but you're looking at somebody that was completely propped up by the system and Trask will have that for two years, but once Arians is gone, that means Brady's gone. And sorry, it's the other way around. Once Brady's gone, Arians is gone. 
and so goes the talent behind it as well. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's not where I'm spending high end draft capital. And I know it was pick 64, but it, you're talking about a second round pick. That's, that's not where I'm spending that. I honestly, for my money would have preferred to throw two and a half million dollars at Mitch Trubisky than waste a second round draft pick it, uh, on a team that, you know, let's say Brady hangs on and, you know, is gunning for a couple more Super Bowls and, and still looks the part for the next two years. They're going to need as many cheap rotational players as possible. Like exactly. picking a fucking quarterback that's going to sit third on your depth chart for two years. That's just asinine to me. So I, I, I 100% didn't trade agree up with for you. somebody to sit third on their depth chart, like the rod, right, like the uh, Packers did. Oof, yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, uh, definitely something to explore. But uh, I want to get to Miley's favorite pick here. A somewhat similar, um, I guess, theme that, that you went with. But uh, mine's actually Davis Mills. And the reason being that the Texans are clearly a dumpster fire. Um, they've made a million moves this year and don't look like they're going to be any better this was their very first pick in the draft this year. And while it looks like the selection of him, of Mills, pretty much signals that Watson is gone, um, you're drafting this guy in the third round. And realistically, your team's going to be dog shit. You are going to be in the top five next year. And are you really going to pass up on an opportunity to? draft uh, Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell, anybody else that might emerge. And are you really going to do that because you drafted Davis Mills this year? It just, to me, get, get a player, get any player in, in that third round that might provide some value for you. You're going to be bad anyway. And if all goes right, you have the number one pick and you're picking your your stud quarterback next year anyway. It just seemed like a total wasted pick to me. Um, Mills is definitely one of those guys that, you know, I think in the right situation, you know, there there is some potential there uh, with him. And this is definitely not the right situation. I, I just think he's going to bomb. And you basically just threw a draft pick away for no reason. It's just, it blows my mind the way that teams attack the quarterback position. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't understand I, it. I actually didn't have the Texans as the worst draft because I only rated my drafts one through 30. I actually gave the Seahawks a did not participate as well as after the Mills pick, uh, I gave the Texans a did not participate as well uh, because to not draft for two whole rounds and then pick a position where you already have two highly paid people on the roster um you're you're just grasping at straws at that point so um did nothing to improve their team through the first three rounds and uh you know hopefully they'll enjoy that number one pick overall next year yeah uh what a disaster they are man being a texans fan right now has got to be tough um well okay so we know you have a couple uh did not participate um but who is your overall your least favorite draft class overall um i look at the draft as the opportunity to improve your team um and if you look at it from that perspective the 
Broncos absolutely bombed their opportunity to improve their team. Uh, maybe they're absolutely convinced that the Packers are <laughs> ditching Rodgers and he's come he's coming to Denver. Um, I mean, we know Elway is able to recruit people past their prime and give them, you know, just a, just a little bit extra. Um, but they took a CB and a running back as their first two picks. Positions that were all very. Yep. Can I jump in real quick? So how much do you think the Roger story breaking the day of the draft. Do you think that really changed their strategy with the number nine pick? No, I think Vic Fangio um, loves his D. Um, I mean, who doesn't love their D? Um, hey, but no. I, I, I don't see how you pass up fields in that situation. Um, I don't see how the Eagles passed up fields in that situation. I don't see how uh, the even the Panthers passed up fields in that situation i know that they they want to believe that darnold was the second best quarterback in this quote-unquote draft class uh but guess what you haven't had a quarterback to succeed right now so again shoot your shot have two on the roster and then if you have to ditch darnold for a six-round draft pick next year because fields takes off then okay yeah that was a wasted pick but now you've got three years of cost controlled production at the most important position yeah. And that to me was, I think, the biggest theme of the draft. The biggest thing that after the fact stood out was just how patient and maybe wrongly so, I, I would probably say wrongly so, that um, all those teams that you mentioned were with their quarterback position. Um, you, you know, we are in this like instant gratification realm in, in society, but in the NFL, especially when it comes to quarterbacks and you know, while I agree with the fact that you need to continue to take swings until you have your guy, we also, I think, jump the gun a little bit sometimes and not allowing guys to actually develop and and judging them maybe too quickly when the situation wasn't good. And, you know, I guess throwing a, a slight bone to Sam Darnold there. But for my money, like the the Panthers, the Broncos, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Vikings, the Giants all of those teams like have a question mark at quarterback and either double down on previous mistakes they've made um, or are just not ready to give up on guys like Drew Locke for whatever reason. And, you know, the Giants are, are a great example. You look at that offense, it looks like it should be pretty damn good. And if there's something that's going to derail them, it's going to be Daniel Jones. If you sit there at 11, you take Justin Fields and pair Justin Fields with Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, um, that whole roster, you're that's a pretty solid group. And um, I know we're maybe projecting um, with Fields a little bit, but it's like we know what Daniel Jones is, I think. Um, and all these teams got way too patient and I, I think missed out on an opportunity to get a really good quarterback. And I think Fields and Jones, Mac Jones, are really the, the kind of guy that could have uh, kind of guys that could have stepped into the Broncos or the Dolphins even or the Eagles and made a significant difference for them this year. And instead, a lot of these teams are unfortunately uh 
taking a page out of the Chicago Bears playbook uh, and not <laughs> aren't ready to give up on uh, a youngish starter that doesn't look the part. And in the case of like the Broncos doubled down and acquired Teddy Bridgewater. So it's it's just remarkable to me that there was all this talk going into the draft that it's like, well, this team could this team could draft a quarterback. This team could draft a quarterback. This team was going to get up and they all just kind of sat there and they all might be looking to pick a quarterback next year because of it. So uh, that was that was pretty shocking, to be honestly. Uh, I, I, I grade the Broncos draft cat class very poorly. Also very shocked by fields falling as far as he did. Um, I, I, I don't see why teams don't want to improve at that position because that is truly the one that, you know, cornerback, left tackle, quarterback. Those are the three that that change it. So if you aren't taking one of those three positions and you need one of those three positions, uh, quarterback's obviously going to be first and you need to shoot your shot. Yep, 100% agree. Uh, I think my vote for least favorite draft, and um, I'm pretty sure you feel similarly, uh, is the New Orleans Saints. Um, first of all, I'm not even going to lie to you. I have no idea. I had no idea who Peyton Turner was when his name got called on Thursday. Well, let me um, tell you, he plays the same position as Cam Jordan and the person that they traded a first overall pick for or sorry, another first round pick for in James Davenport. So Marcus. you are basically Marcus, sorry, um, drafting a rotational player at a position of what you would hopefully call strength, considering you've given up first round draft capital for them. Absolutely mind blowing that they did that. Um, and, and, you know, realistically here, it's like, when we're talking about who's our favorite classes, who is our least favorite classes, the, all these things, it's obviously heavily skewed by the, top end of these classes. So Turner going in the first round was bananas to me. Um, I did like the Paulson Adebo pick. Um, I think he's really good. Um, they got him in the third round corner from Stanford. Um, he's big, he's fast, he's physical. I, I really like that pick, but what really set me over the top with them was going with Ian book in the fourth round. I, that shocked me. And I don't know if Sean Payton just has an obsession with short quarterbacks because of Drew Brees, but the the names that he went in front of, uh, I mean, Book had like a UDFA grade by most people. Um, and again, we don't know shit about shit, but like, what the hell are they thinking with that pick? Yeah, I, I don't know, especially when, you know, they did ultimately draft the wide receiver, but at, at that position, fourth round, um, they probably could have gotten a heck of a lot more value uh, by taking a position of need rather than something that's redundant. I mean, they're committing, what, 10 million? No, it's only down to 8 million now. I think they restructured uh, for 140 million on the books, though, to, uh, to uh, <laughs> um, Taysom Hill. So, I mean, to take another quarterback on top of Hill, and and Winston uh it doesn't make a lot of sense to me I know they were trying to trade up for Mac Jones and unfortunately for the Patriots fans it didn't work out um but to even waste a draft pick on Ian Book again we talked about Trask not succeeding in a in a in a um situation where you're given every opportunity to succeed Notre Dame's a very similar uh franchise or 
college curriculum program, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if he's not able to succeed there and become a first round draft pick, then you might as well throw the book at him. Oh, I, I see what you did there. I like that. I like that. I'll touch on one more uh, class slash pick that really didn't make any sense to me. And I think it'll transition us perfectly uh, into our next topic here. But the Packers, everything swirling with Aaron Rodgers and, and wanting more help and all this stuff. And they double down and take a corner, Eric Stokes, in the first round. Um, to trade for Patrick Sertan and Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos now. Okay. Oh yeah. See, now we're gonna galaxy brain this. That okay. I'm here for this. I'm here for this. I like. I like that thought. Um. No, it, I, I, I agree with you. I hate the. I hate the pick too. Um. Especially you know if you you're drafting an A Rodgers to not have A Rodgers throwing to him like you know waiting till the third round. I love the. I love the Amari Rodgers pick, but if you have Jordan Love or Tim Boyle throwing to him, then it's, it's a wasted season regardless. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I, I felt the same way. I, I love the, uh, the Amari Rogers pick. That's exactly what that offense needs. But if they would have uh, maybe, I mean, why not double down on receivers and take one of those guys, I don't know, Rashad Bateman or Terrace Marshall or whoever. Right. Um, but take a receiver and then you could still get Rogers later and just really give Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, some pieces to work with here and try to smooth this over. I mean, what they've done from a PR standpoint and how green Bay's handled this is just, I mean, it's a masterclass in fucking this up. Um, they believe it leaked yesterday or they put out yesterday that, um, you know, they were looking in last year's draft to trade up for Justin Jefferson. And um, and then they might have gone Brandon Ayuk, but San Francisco took him. So their their backup plan was to take Aaron Rodgers, quote unquote, successor and Jordan Love. It's like you realize that doesn't make you sound as good as you think it does. Right. Like just absolutely mind blowing how they've handled this. And let alone I'm of the. Again, draft capital to trade up for Jordan Love. So you already <laughs> right. are on your contingency plan and you're so desperate for your contingency plan that you're willing to give up draft capital to secure your quarter, your third string quarterback. Well, and we, we know how they felt about Love last year, right? With him being the third quarterback on the roster all year, um, which is pretty shocking, honestly, because I don't even think I've ever seen year. Tim Boyle. He could, yeah, he could. Yeah. He, he didn't get the preps that he needed. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen Tim Boyle throw a football ever. So um, that's a little concerning, but I think uh, part of this Rogers saga that sort of highlights maybe the concern with Jordan Love there is if you felt confident in Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers was doing what he's doing, move on, trade him for a boatload of picks and players and do the damn thing with Jordan Love. Clearly, they are convinced that is not the right thing to do or he's not ready. And uh, it's just every day, it's just looks worse and worse for them. And as a Bears fan, I'm here for it. It's straight subterfuge, quite frankly. Um, Aaron Rodgers, everything he's doing is nice word right now. 
and uh, thank you. I had to look it up to, for the pronunciation. Um, but that was pointed. He wanted to do that right before the draft. Um, and to me, I know we've had a lot of discussions um, offline about you know, the Wilson situation, the Watson situation. This one actually seems like a, a situation because Rogers is, I mean, he doesn't have a relationship with his own family. So why is he going to put it to, you know, however many people are in Green Bay, is he going to treat them as their family? Right. Um, do you want to clarify yeah. one thing real quick? Bateman did go right before, but Elijah Moore would have been a great pick for them. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw, or I, I heard somebody um, point this out today, but do you think the Packers lack of a, a true owner um, is, I, I guess uh, one of the, the key pieces in, in this thing going down the way it has, because it, I feel like if you have an owner um, that, you know, we, we all know we don't want owners like butting into football operations all the time, but this is a huge PR marketing, you know, this, this affects the bottom line, uh, a, a player of Aaron Rodgers caliber. Um, I feel like if you had a true owner and they stepped in and were like, listen, we're not fucking this up with our best player. Um, maybe a lot of the moves that have happened over the last two years wouldn't have happened and we're in a different spot here. But the fact that, you know, they're quote unquote owned by the fans um, is, I, I think playing a, a fairly large role in how this thing is all come down personally. I don't disagree that that's a big reason it's come down like it has, but from what I've seen, the owners get in the way more often than they help out the situation. I mean, Jerry Jones finally stepping back and letting the Cowboys draft defensive players has been the best thing to ever happen to them. If Robert Kraft hadn't been loyal to Brady, it probably would have been Garoppolo the last three, four years in New England. And you don't, they definitely wouldn't have been in the situation they were last year. Uh, you don't know that they would have had, you know, two more Super Bowls like they got out of Brady. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, you you look at Al Davis, like all these meddlesome owners, they actually get in the way more often than they help. And if Rogers wants to get out of town, um, then that might be the best situation for them. Uh, just should have happened before the draft. And I think that's on Aaron Rodgers and his wanting to be as powerful as he can because he knows that five hours before the draft, you can't pull off the moves that would be required to get him to get him off the team. Yeah, I, I mean, he's clearly going scorched earth here. Um, and it's we call it Danica it's interesting. <laughs> call it Tanik Patrick. Okay, I think he's with Shailene Woodley now, right? He is him now, and, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I think what's interesting here is you know, there's, as of right now, the Packers seem dug in, right? And they're saying they're not trading him. Who knows if that's legit or if that's just a media thing. But um, if they are truly dug in here and they're prepared to let him sit, and it seems like he would, um, how long do you let that go on? Because at some point, you're going to have to make a move to get something 
and not risk losing him for nothing because he just says fuck it and retires you know i just don't know how long they can drag this out uh in my mind best way to approach this is just get get it over with rip the band-aid and and move forward but that's i don't think that's the best return on value i think you pull off a jimmy g situation like what they did with new england and let the team flounder for five seven games and then give them the the life support of Aaron Rodgers. Make sure that you're still getting, you know, a mid-teens pick out of it rather than giving them something that, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be computing for a Super Bowl with anything you'd get in in return right now from say the the Broncos, right? That's not what's putting you over the edge. You're gonna be handicapped by your quarterback. So you might as well continue to suck yourself, quite frankly, because if Aaron Rodgers isn't oh. there, you're probably I mean, I try. Um, been working on that yoga. Uh, just another three inches. I'm not sure if that's down or up. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as you're losing games, you're increasing your draft capital. And then as long as the team that you're trading them to, uh, which ultimately you would assume is happening, right? You're not trading it to a team that's a perennial contender. Um, you're going to get to mid-teens or even a lower pick for the Packers. So I think I think the sweet spot right there is five, seven games. His value is not decreasing by keeping him on the bench, and you're not gaining value by the team you trade him to winning games. Do you think – I know there's a lot of factors in, in play right now, and um, some of it's financial, um, you know, now that some of these bigger contracts have come out uh, – you know, there's been reporting that uh, Rogers, among other elite guys like Russell Wilson, are also uh, a little annoyed that they're not right at the tippy top anymore, uh, being the highest paid. But uh, so, so there's obviously a lot of factors. But do you think that if they just got rid of Jordan Love, that they could salvage this? Are you asking? a Tom Brady situation three years later, because that's what they did with Jimmy G and it did not salvage the situation. Right. No, no, that, that's actually a great case study. Um, yeah. You know, I, I it's guess fractured, it, right? and, and it's, it's not done, gonna be, right. It's not going to be restored. Um, I don't think the Watson situation was likely to be restored either. There's, you know, confounding circumstances as to why that situation is probably not going to work out. Um, but I think what happens right now, um, it's actually something out of Bruce Arians playbook, um, went back a couple years and, and read what his philosophy is. And he lets his quarterback pick the first 15 passing plays. And then if there's a vehement disagreement between a passing play, he wants to put in and a passing play that the quarterback wants to call, he'll defer to the quarterback. And it's kind of shocking to me that you'll do that for plays. You'll let the players pick the plays, but you won't let the players pick the players. And if you want to say in this, I'm not saying that you need to give them carte blanche on who they pick, but say, hey, Aaron, give me three guys that you just absolutely want and let us pitch to you while we're not going to pick them if these quote unquote situations work out, right? If this guy doesn't fall, this guy doesn't fall, this guy doesn't fall, Aaron, you get your guy. And what we're going to say is you don't get to just pick who you want because quite frankly you're not qualified to but if the situation doesn't work out where the guy that we're after doesn't fall to us then we'll give you what you want and it's absolutely shocking to me that that relationship happens with like a tom brady where you knew he was picking kyle they were picking kyle trask 
but doesn't work out with Aaron Rodgers, who's at the same level, if not potentially more athlete from a, more irreplaceable from an athleticism ball throwing standpoint than Tom Brady. Um, you don't have those same conversations. It's shocking. Well, and I, I think uh, the, the Packers are a great and, and maybe the Patriots w- were a little bit in this boat as well. But um, they're a great example of how maybe people forget how tough it is when you don't have a stud quarterback and how hard it makes life for your franchise. Because to me, those are the kind of guys that you, I never want them to even be remotely unhappy. And maybe you bend over backwards in certain cases. Um, and, but you got to do whatever you can. I mean, the relationship getting to this point should never be a reason that you lose out on a star quarterback. You know, if a guy gets hurt, um, I don't know, like the Drew Brees situation, he hadn't really come on quite yet and he got hurt, kind of made it easy for them uh, to move on a little bit. But there's, there's very, this relationship aspect of this should never come into play with these guys. Like, they're your most valuable asset as a company. Do not piss them off, especially when you know that they have, and maybe, the, you know, it's because they haven't really had the power uh, until recently, uh, or there hasn't been a precedent to cause a stink and try to force your way out. But like, there are 31 other teams, 30 other teams that would take Aaron Rodgers and be completely happy with giving you whatever you wanted for him. And that should tell you all you need to know about the player, how valuable he is, and why you can't let it get to this point. It, it just really is shocking. And, and maybe Green Bay has just been jaded because they went from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another. But um, I don't see how this ends well for them at all. No, I, I don't think it can because I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants it to. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is already, as you said before, scorched earth, but he, he's disowned multiple people already in his career, his his life. And that's why I don't think he's going to be a Jeopardy host because I wouldn't want to deal with that drama. Three years into his contract, he's demanding two primetime slots. It's like, sorry, dude, Pat Sajak's still spinning the damn wheel. Yeah, he... Uh... <laughs> You know, it, we talk about all the time uh, athletes and, and teams. They're like families. I think for the Packers, that's probably the worst case scenario, given what we know about Aaron. Uh, it's it's quite the problem they got on their hands for sure. All right. So we talked about our favorite picks, um, but let's get into some of our favorite draft classes as a whole. Who gets your top grade? I think the Chargers absolutely nailed their draft. Uh, not having to trade up for Slater, despite all the rumors that they needed to get up into at least 11, if not into the top 10, to get a, a, a top-tier tackle. Um, letting him fall to them worked out fantastic. And then getting Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, to pair with Darwin James, uh, it's going to make that in, uh, AFC West conference a very, very tough division to throw in sorry afc west division a very divi- uh, tough division to throw in um you know with the broncos reaching for certain and now asante and darwin back for the chargers i'm hoping i'm hoping that mahomes ends up with his first double digit interception season uh because 
God knows that uh, he's thrown his, he's thrown too many picks. Um, they just, just haven't always counted on the score on the scorecard. Um, and then Palmer at wide receiver and then McKitty to replace Henry at tight end. Um, I think they got four positions of need without reaching and are going to be instant impacts uh, for that team. Yeah, I, I love their draft too. Um, Slater might be, you know, a lot of people think he's even more pro ready or day one ready than Panay Sewell was. Uh, like you said, to get him not having to move up at a, a key position of need, that's so clutch. Asante Samuel Jr. to the Chargers is one of my favorite picks in this draft schematically with what Brandon Staley wants to do. Asante Samuel Jr. fits that to a T. Um, it's, it's a perfect match. Um, you know, it's again, position of need. One of the high end positions you talked about, uh, earlier it's quarterback, cornerback and tackle and their first two picks, they nailed two of those three and they got their quarterback last year. So uh, I a hundred percent agree. Loved the chargers draft. Um, but for me, I've got to go with the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, call it a homer pick. Uh, but, and this is honestly less about 2021, and it's more about 2022 and beyond. Um, you know, Fields, we, we talked about him on the last podcast. Um, it's been talked about quite a bit. Like his fall was insane. The fact that they were able to get up to 11, no team jumped them or took him before 11. It just still blows my mind. Um, you know, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with pro football focus sometimes, but, um, you know, in general, give them props. They do they do some great work. They had Fields ranked as their number three player on this board and the fifth highest graded player they've ever had. And this dude falls to 11. I mean, you know, kudos to the Bears. They obviously had to give up um, future draft capital in order to do this. But um, kudos to Ryan Pace and the Bears for making that happen. That's slam dunk pick. But in the second round, um, they were sitting at 52. Um, they end up trading up again. So, again, not, not a huge fan of the process necessarily here. But they move up to 39 and get Tevin Jenkins to play tackle for them. Uh, Jenkins was a guy that was routinely mocked to the Bears at 20 in the first round. And they get him in the second round. And... Um, in a perfect world, he slides in to be their starting right tackle. Uh, but as of today, the Bears have officially cut ties with Charles Leno, and it sounds like they're going to move Jenkins over to the left. We'll see how that plays out. But bottom line is they're they're starting to transition this roster, I think, a little bit and get it to you know, what it's going to look like for Justin Fields in the future. Um, Leno was expensive. You know, move on. It, it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it was a little interesting. But just, just in addition, shifts, right? Just move on from Leno and let's replace it with cheaper talent. Yes, exactly. And, you know, a lot of their later round picks, um, it, I really, really liked it. You know, it, it's easy to say that now until these guys get on the field, I suppose, considering that most of my evaluation of them is what I've read about them and, you know, seeing a handful of highlights. But I really liked the Khalil Herbert pick. Um, I think he gives them the type of guy that uh, it, it is a little bit of a change of pace from 
who they have as their starter anyway, and David Montgomery. They also have Damian Williams on the team now, but um, Herbert's a one cut go burner and they don't have enough home run hitters out of the backfield on this team. And ideally he also slides in as their primary kick returner. He did that at Virginia tech, Virginia tech, you know, is takes special teams really seriously. The bears saved a little bit of money and moved on from Cordero Patterson, which um, a lot of people aren't happy about. I think this is, this is how you attack the draft here, right? Like get guys in the late rounds that can contribute here and there and can do the damn thing on special teams. That's where they're going to find value. Daz Newsome, slot receiver out of North Carolina. You know, the Bears have been trying to trade Anthony Miller. Um, maybe they end up keeping him. I don't know. But uh, Newsome uh, seems like he could probably get reps right away in the slot for them and look good. And then Thomas Graham, um, corner out of Oregon. They got him in the sixth round, pick number 228. Um He's a guy that doesn't have great athleticism, but um, really sticky in coverage. He can play outside and inside. He's probably going to get a crack at their nickel position, which is really important position. Uh, well, for any defense, really, uh, in today's NFL, but especially their defense. And um, he was a top 100 player uh, for a lot of people. So I just I really thought, despite the fact that they gave up picks and um, didn't really pick in the middle rounds uh, because of that, they got two studs at your two key positions uh, right off the top. And then I thought they drafted really well uh, to fill out the roster a little bit with some pretty solid people uh, towards the end of the draft. So um, I, you know, again, bit of a Homer pick maybe, uh, and it's obviously highlighted by Justin Fields, but um, I, I thought they just crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Anyway, that will do it for our 2021 NFL draft takeaways. Um, no, there's one more takeaway. Um, I think Wilson pretty much secured himself as a bust based on how he's handling the media right now, where his mom has more popularity than he does. Um, and then in typical Jets, a jet uh, to, to replace Jamal Adams, they took three safeties. Uh, Got to shoot your shot once again. And then not only did they take three safeties, they took two Michael Carters. Like, how desperate are we to succeed that we have to take multiples of every position, every name, and then have to be tied for the most first-round quarterbacks taken in just an opportunity to compete with what's now the Bills is the NFC, uh, the uh, East powerhouse. The class of the um, NFC East, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or AFC, whichever. Um, oh yeah, but whatever. yeah, I think I think uh, the you know the the Broadway Zach is uh, past its prime based on his limited media interactions, and it's going to be brutal uh, to watch him in that market. It sounds like we need to add a new segment called Jets Gonna Jet, and yeah. just work that into our our regular cadence here. I, I okay. I'm with you on that. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, please subscribe uh, to us wherever you get your podcasts, just so you're aware. We are now officially on Breaker, which uh, I'd never heard of before. But, you know, maybe they'll they'll throw an ad read our way and we'll take money anywhere we can get. But uh, we're on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Still waiting to get approved by apple uh might need to call in a favor too 
we are anchored by anchor anchor is is doing us doing us good uh, i'm a fan there but uh, so subscribe where you get your podcast if it's one of those places follow us on social media specifically twitter at nptfball and we'll see you guys later <laughs>